say the game is getting old. Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is not what you want it to be. Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo and hey, welcome to 2021 everybody. Oh, isn't it awesome? We have another great show to start the entire year. It is fantastic. Oh, you are going to love her and you're going to love her book. It is Debbie Rosemont. Oh, yes. And the book is entitled One Habit for a Thriving Home Office. Oh, my gosh. This thing is just chock full of just greatness and goodness and fantasticness. Oh, you are going to love it. It's going to be fantastic. She's fantastic. She's brilliant. And by the way, she's really highly organized. I mean, she is a she's a productivity consultant. What do you think she's going to be? But she is really, 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 really good. I'm just telling you, she's great. And you are going to absolutely love and adore her. And I'm going to tell you what, before we do that, though, let's do this, right? Because, you know, I have said since the beginning, well, it's been going on for years, right? I always walk you through the four areas of your life, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you know, where are you at, you know, what you're doing. But, you know, in the course of the last year, interviewing all these special operations forces people, right, uh, we we found out that, you know, the truth of the matter is, you know, when you're under stress, when you're under pressure, like we are in a pandemic and, and, you know, you're in business and you're working from home and there's probably a lot of pressure coming on from home. You know, the truth is we don't rise to the occasion. We actually fall back to the level of our training. And so rather than saying, okay, where are you at? I'm asking you, where's your training? at all right in those four areas right physically mentally emotionally and spiritually so what do i mean by training all right what i mean is is that the truth of the matter is you know we're in training every day or at least we should be physically and for example you should be exercising you should be doing something you should be eating right putting the right things in your body i recently had a coaching client that i recently said to her i said you know stop worrying about what you're going to put in why don't you worry about what you're not going to put in Ooh. And she said, oh, I never thought about that way. Yeah, so like four years ago, I gave up sugar, right? All sugar. I just said that's just my A1C was, you know, at a at a questionable level. And my doctor said, you know, people threaten to, you know, quit, but they don't. And I said, oh, well, I'm going to do it. So four years ago, I stopped. Every year, I've dropped my A1C down below six. Every year, right? Because... You start, instead of going as a lifestyle, like you're going to go on a diet and then you're going to go off it, because that's what we do. We go on it and then we go off, right? you got to create a lifestyle. So my lifestyle for the rest of my life is I don't eat sugar, right? It means I, I limit my pasta. I, I, I maybe eat it four times a year. I limit bread. It's not in my house, right? The, this is what I'm talking about training. That's an everyday training, right? Drinking enough water is everyday training. Getting enough sleep is everyday training. So if you were to rank yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being miserable, 10 being outstanding, in terms of your training, how would you say your physical training is going? All right, now let's go to the mental side, right? Because you got a number, and you got a physical number, right? Now let's go to the mental side. What's your mental training like? And, you know, what I mean by mental training is what are you doing to actively pursue your growth goals, whether that be in your life, uh, personally or professionally? I'll tell you, if you read a book like this, One Habit, uh, that's co-written, uh, by Debbie Rosemont, who's going to join us? Uh, I tell you what, that'll help your growth goals, right? Because we're all living in it. We're all living somewhere in our house, probably behind a desk in an office somewhere. My studio's in my house, right? 
So what are you doing? How would you rate your training in terms of actively actively being an active participant in your growth, in your mental growth, right? Whether that's reading a book, whether that's taking up an instrument, maybe it's learning a foreign language, doing something to actively improve who you are and your knowledge and your wisdom. How would you rank yourself? Scale of one to 10, one miserable, 10 outstanding. And I'm not talking about watching TV. That doesn't count, right? So you got two numbers, physical, mental. Then there's the emotional, right? I mean, we're in emotional training every day. You're in emotional training right now. Listening to this show, you have some sort of emotions. There's two pieces to your emotional training. One, how well are you able to control your emotions under stress and pressure? I'll give you really a, a great example. You're in a hurry. You're in a grocery store. And somebody forgets their wallet who's in front of you. How are your emotions doing? That's emotional control. That's part of your emotional training. The second piece of that is how well can you tap into the emotions of others? Meaning, how well can you understand the emotions of others? I don't mean just listening, which, by the way, is absolutely critical. I mean understanding. And I don't mean being sympathetic. I mean being empathetic, where you can actually feel and put yourself in that person's shoes. Right? By the way, what that requires is to have an emotional grammar that you that you can really tap into others. It's not just about being mad and sad and happy and right. I, I mean, there's there's variations within all of that. What is your emotional grammar? Right, and you can expand that. There's lots of ways to do that. So, how would you rank yourself on a scale of one to ten in your emotional training? And then finally, there's the spiritual training, right? A lot of people say they're not spiritual. We're all spiritual. If you believe that you are going to do something in the future and it hasn't happened yet, but you believe that you are going to do it, whatever it is, whether it's going on vacation or whether, you know, it's going out with friends, you know, the truth of the matter is that's faith. It hasn't happened, but yet you believe it's going to happen. That's faith. That's spiritual. Right? Spiritual Spirituality can go deeper. You know, what puts you at a sense of peace and contentment in the midst of chaos? That's spiritual. And then what are you doing to create that for yourself? Right? Are, you, are you, you know, whether that's a God or nature or meditation or, uh, you know, mantras and affirmations, whatever it is, how's the training going and is it working? And if it's not working, then you need to change your training just like we need to do in all of our training in these four areas of your life. So we've got four numbers. You've got a physical, mental, emotional, spiritual number. That's like the legs of a chair. Right. If the legs of it, if your legs are uneven, guess what? Your posture is going to be bad, and that's just not good on your body and your and in your back, and it's just going to make things rough. Especially if you had a home office. <laughs> Ask you're just going to have to ask Debbie about that. But at the same time, if your chair is too low, we can't eat at a healthy table. And speaking about someone who is both at the right level and has her legs all going up the same way on her chair. Her name is Debbie Rosemont. She is a certified professional organizer and productivity consultant. Try saying that real fast five times. And she's also founder and CEO of Simply Placed, which helps clients increase productivity, maximize efficiency, and bring balance and control into their work, homes, and lives. Simply Placed works with individuals and businesses to create effective organizational systems, clear clutter, successfully manage time, focus on priorities, and achieve goals. They help people work smarter, not harder, to increase their bottom line and peace of mind through consulting, hands-on organizing, and group training. Debbie is an engaging speaker 
and has been interviewed numerous times for print and radio media. We're lucky to have her here on A New Direction. She is the author of the book, Six Word Lessons to Be More Productive, and the creator of several information products, and also the co-author of this book, One Habit, uh, for a thriving home office. Debbie is one of a small number of certified professional organizers in Washington State, where I went to grad school, who wears many hats in her own life as wife, mother, volunteer, and business owner, and understands that life happens and that it can be a challenge to get and stay organized. However, she's seen the benefits of an organized life and wants that for her clients. Her goal is to ultimately save her clients time, money, and stress and allow them to focus on things that matter most, and that includes you today. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, and welcome to A New Direction, Debbie Rosemont. Welcome, Debbie. Thank you. I'm so, so glad to be your guest today. Thank you. Well, it's great to have you with us. You know what? Uh, The book, uh, One Habit. Which, by the way, is really 73 habits. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's a, it is a collaboration of yeah. some fantastic um, contributing authors. So co-author Steve Sambliss and I um, got some brilliant minds together, invited some people to participate, and, and this book is the result. So um, you don't just get one idea. Uh, you can thumb through, you can read it cover to cover, however you want, and you are going to, I'm sure, walk away with a variety of things to try to be more successful and productive and happy, frankly, working from home, which so many of us are doing these days. Yeah, this is the thing, is that we are in a place where we have been, some of us have been working from home for a long time, but others of us have been forced for since last March or so, uh, forced out of the office to create our home office. And it's a challenge, for a lot of people, it, it, listen, I have coaching clients who I do by Zoom and they have their offices at home and they got kids running around, dogs running around. It's not the same, right? It, 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 this is just a different world. This this whole remote office thing presents itself a lot of challenges, doesn't it, now? It does, and benefits as well. Um, so, yeah, I can, I can definitely see both sides. I know I have had some, um, some corporate clients that say, wow, I'm more productive at home because mm. I don't have as many interruptions from my coworkers. Right. <laughs> uh, so, you know, and I also have clients, you know, like you, uh, who, who have that challenge of juggling work from home as well as everything else that's now under one roof, homeschooling right. with kids, um, you know, parenting, managing ourselves, finding time to do all the home chores and duties as well as um, work and, and, you know, generate our, our livelihood. So it's, it is, a, I, I'd say it's a balancing act, but it's really not. I don't, I don't believe in work-life balance that implies things being equal, but it's this work-life harmony that we need to have in this integration, especially with everything under one roof now. You know, I love that because I, I, I think when people hear the word you know, the phrase work-life balance, I think they think it's a 50-50 thing. And it's kind of like marriage, right? You and I, you and I are married, not together, everybody. We're, we're, right. we're just married to <laughs> just different to people. Just to clarify. <laughs> just to clarify, we're married to different people. But the truth of the matter is some days it's 10-90, some days it's 90-10, some days it's 75-25, some days it's, you know, 35-65. It, it, it may average out to 50-50 over the course of my wife's and my relationship. But the truth of the matter is it's never 50-50 on any given moment or any given day. Um, one person gives more than the other. And I think this is really true of the home office. And and when this idea of quote-unquote work-life balance in the home office, because some days, you know what? It is far more personal 
than it is professional. And then some days it is very much all professional and nobody gets any time. Sure. Would you say that's a kind of an accurate yeah, comparison? it's definitely accurate. And, you know, when we talk about a home office as well, um, you know, I, I am fortunate enough and to, to actually have a, a dedicated space that when I'm here and have the doors closed, it's, it is my home office. Now I've got a second desk back there. I don't know if you can see that. Prior to COVID, I also had an assistant working in here in the home office. And, and this is where um, you know, the magic of our company happens. This is worldwide headquarters. So I've been working from home for quite some time. Now, a lot of people don't necessarily have a dedicated home office. So the home office may be from the kitchen table or the dining room table or a nook in a bedroom or, you know, wherever they're able to work. But having a consistent space to go to and a setup that's conducive as much as possible to quiet and focus and concentration um, is ideal. We're talking with uh, Debbie Rosemont, by the way. She's co-author of One Habit for a Thriving Home Office. Uh, Killer habits of the happiest achieving home-based business people on the planet. Love it. Uh, great book, uh, by the way, available bookstores everywhere, Amazon included. So I want to do this because I think it's really important. I, I don't know if you or Steve or you collaborated on this, but you had three steps to making your own habit. And I really kind of would like to just kind of walk through these real quick sure. because I think it's really important to the listeners wherever you are. And by the way, thank you everyone for making 2020 absolutely bad. best year ever. Thank you. Um, all over the world. Thank you for that. Um, merci to everybody in France because you're my number two country in the world. So step one, the habit, um, the behavior you want to change, add or remove. You, you know what? That sounds like such an obvious thing is that, okay, I guess I got to pick a behavior. But the truth of the matter is we don't get specific enough with what we want to change, do we? No. And we also, I mean, I, I think the idea around a habit is a habit is something that we do without really thinking about it anymore. We might have had to think about it at one time, um, but once it's established, it, it helps us have more energy for what's important because the habit is in place to allow things to happen with greater ease. So I think that establishing habits doesn't have to be big and grand. And to your point, you know, it can be one small thing. Right. that we want to think about adding or changing um, to be more effective. So step one is is the habit, the behavior we want to change, add or remove. Right. And that's, by the way, that's also really uh, in, important here is because sometimes what we think about is that we're going to add a habit, but sometimes it's removing a bad habit yeah. is, is critical to our success in habit formation. I love habit formation, by the way, just, just to let you know, when I, uh, I went to grad school, I studied under B.F. Skinner's last student. And, and so I love all sorts of things about behavior change and habit formation. So this is just up my alley. Step two, the reward, the payoff you get from the habit that comes in many different forms too. I think a lot of people think it's external, but sometimes it can be an internal reward, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's the reward is reinforcing. Um, and, and sometimes our bad habits can have rewards as well, which reinforce and, and make it harder to stop those or remove those. Um, so when we can set ourselves up for success and be intentional around um, a reward or a result because of a habit, um, we're more likely to, to succeed. And then finally, the third step. So we have the habit, the reward, and then I love this the trigger. Uh, 
the thing that makes you perform the habit. Mm-hmm. I don't. This is this is another overlooked piece of habit formation. Is what triggers you. Yeah. Right. I mean, like um, one of the things I, I like to say to people, especially when it comes to diet, uh, is. You know, the reason why we call it comfort food is because when you feel miserable, that's your trigger to eat bad food, mm-hmm. right? And by the same way, we can, trade a, can create a positive trigger, Yep. right? That, Absolutely. Go, I'll let you expand on that. Yeah, well, I, you know, like you said, I think a trigger can be something you choose mm-hmm. um, that, you know, every time. And I, I love the concept of habit stacking. So when we're trying to establish a new habit, choose something that's already something that you do without thinking about it. So, mm. for example, my guess is, Jay, at least twice a day you brush your teeth, right? Without sure. thinking about it. You just sure. you get up, you brush your teeth. That's what you do. It's habit. So if you wanted to... Um, incorporate the habit of drinking more water, for example, you could take that trigger of brushing your teeth, which is already an established habit, so you don't have to think about it, and you could tie to that the drinking a glass of water, right? Um, So when you do that, you don't have to think much about the water. It's just, I brush my teeth and I drink the water. You're stacking one habit on top of the other. You're choosing a trigger, um, so that's, that's a, you know, trigger can be a place, a time, a smell, um, it could be an alarm, it could be a prompt, um, or it could be something that you already do that you decide to have as a trigger as well. You, you, you both have said here in this book that an important characteristic of a habit is that it's automatic. You don't even think about it, which you just said. So changing the habits or making a new habit or getting rid of an old one takes conscious effort. It does. It takes some intention. I think, I think what happens is we kind of feel like we've kind of got into these habits ourselves and we feel that they just automatically go away. (laughs) And the problem is they just don't automatically go away. We have to be incredibly intentional um, about changing our habits. And this is the one thing about this book uh, that I, what I did was in the 73 different habits suggestions in this book i went through and i categorized a number of them and actually you kind of in the 30 steps i think that um, Stephen puts out they actually kind of the categories so i thought maybe we could talk about some of these different categorizations of creating a sure. home office and then talk about why some of these categories because so many of them fit into a category i think the first one is in psychology we have this thing called state dependent learning meaning that uh, if it can be an environment, if our environment is changing too much, it is very difficult for us to be settled in that environment in order to be productive. If we, and the other problem is, is if we're trying to change an environment that we currently have, that we do one thing in and then try to do something else. in, we generally are not very productive. Here's what I mean. If you try to set up your office in the kitchen in a place where you normally eat, it becomes extraordinarily difficult psychologically for us to be able to sit and work in a place where I'm normally eating. And so we have these state-dependent environments that make it difficult on us. And I think you even talk about in your chapter, to a large extent, that our environment plays an incredible role in our productivity. So let's explore that a little bit. Yeah, it does. I think having a you know a productive home office, um, you know, one of the key components is having an environment that's organized, 
Mm. Um, ideally clear of clutter because that's distraction. Um, quiet to the degree that works for, you know, the individual. And we all have, you know, and this is something to say that I don't think of one size fits all around many of these ideas and concepts mm. Mm. in that, you know, you and I might have different levels of tolerance for stuff around us, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. One of us might prefer to have more things out as prompts and reminders and inspiration. And another might prefer to have things put away and, and receive those prompts, reminders and inspiration in different ways. But I think a, a physical environment that's set up where you can come in, sit down and focus is important. And often that comes from organization, you know, clearing clutter and, uh, you know, sound being ideal or lack of also being ideal. Those are, those important things. And there's different chapters in the book about, you know, technology set up and having a second screen. And, you know, so there's variations within that, that um, can enhance an environment. But I think those are the, the keys. Her name is Debbie Rosemont, and she is the co-author of this outstanding book, One Habit for a Thriving Home Office. Actually, there's 70-plus habits, but guess what? They're killer habits of the happiest achieving home-based business people on the planet. And you know what? You're listening to her here on A New Direction. Hey, everyone. You know what? I have two fantastic sponsors. They're back with me again. Yes, they are. You know who they are. Epic Physical Therapy. Love them. Oh, I think I'm going to have to go back and see them, sadly. Little injury over the holiday season. Doing a little one of my, you know, kind of crazy workouts, and I think I made a tweak something in my knee because it's not exactly healing the way. But guess what? There's no other place I'd go to than Epic Physical Therapy. You know why? I'll tell you why. First of all, they work on professional athletes, right? So if professional athletes are going to go there, why wouldn't a non-professional, certainly a non-professional athlete like myself, go there? Of course I will because they, because I know that what they're going to do is they're going to really treat my whole body and they're going to take care of me and they're going to look at me as a functional whole. They're not just going to treat the symptom, right? They're going to fix me and get me to where I want to be again. That's epic physical therapy, right? They really do understand the need to treat the entire body as a functional whole, not just your symptoms, your injury. So when you're ready for your epic relief and your epic recovery and your epic results, don't look any further. Go where I go, go where the professional athletes go, go to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft and Realtors, right? Since the very beginning, they've been with us. You know what? They had a great year, and they want me to tell all of you thank you for their support. They are so grateful that you supported them in in using them to sell your home and buy your home. And you know what? Here they go, 36 years now. And guess what? Still at the top of the game. Why? Because Linda and her team understand that the relationship is absolutely the most important fundamental aspect of doing business, period. Right, she understands that. She goes, relationships are important. Relationships are the most important. And you know what? If you maintain your relationships and you take care of your relationships and you take care of the people that you have relationships with, guess what? They come back and they tell their friends. That's what they do, and that's what you did. And so they want me to say thank you to all of you out there who um, referred them, who used them, and who are planning on using them in the future. They just wanted me to say thank you. And you know what? Because they support this show, I just want to say thank you, too, because I am grateful for them and their sponsorship. So, you know what? When you're ready to talk to a person who the relationship is priority and is going to help you get the right home and or sell your home 
for the right price. Don't start anywhere else, no matter where you're at in the world. Start with Linda Craft and team. You can learn more by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction, and we were with Debbie Rosemont, and she's co-author of this book, One Habit for a Thriving Office. And we're talking uh, just kind of the beginnings of of talking about the office and, and things that we need to do. I was talking to a friend, Debbie, and she, this whole idea of setting up a space has been a real question mark for her because she's not, she's, she owns her own business and she's not used to doing that. And so trying to find a space in a small space is kind of hard for some people. Mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. if, if you've got some recommendations, what, what do you recommend for people who are in like smaller spaces, but have to work from home? What's some of, what's some tips that you would give them? Well, it sounds like you're you're talking about maybe you know opposite of what we talked about, where, where the ideal is you have a dedicated home office. Right. If that's you know, then you set it up the way you want, and it can function, and that's really its primary purpose. For many people, that's not possible. Um, so they may be sharing a space, or it might be a multi-use space where sometimes it's home office or work needs to happen, and other times things need to be cleared off, and it's the dining room table, and this is where dinner happens. So in that instance, some of my best tips are to have things portable, um, easy to, you know, move on to the surface to have what you need close by. So, you know, most of us now that's a, a device, laptop maybe, um, or, or um, a tablet, whatever it is, a device, probably have a phone nearby. Um, and then, you know, we may have a, um, uh, you know, some basic supplies. So pen, paper, that sort of thing. So to have something that's portable and that you can say, all right, these are my key components or things I really need to have close by that you can move set up for the time that you're going to be working, but then easily put away when it's not needed. Um, That can be helpful. And and this is true, you know, students that are needing to now homeschool and may not have a dedicated desk. They might be learning and and, uh, doing homework and, and things from the kitchen table. So same thing. They too can have their set of books and materials and things that they bring out, but then have a place to go away as well. I think one of the things that, you know, you and several of the other authors point out is this idea of declutter, but it's not just physical declutter, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's really, it's decluttering distraction, right? Yeah. And that can show up on a calendar. It can show up uh, as digital documents. Uh, It can show up as thoughts that um, could be seen as clutter and will distract um, the, the average American worker, uh, I think, normally has about 37 hours of unfinished work in front of them at any point in time. Um, that all can't be done right now. And it's not all a priority right now. But if it's all spread in front of you, what is not important right now, what you're not needing to focus on is going to distract you from what you intend to do. So we need to have some systems in place. And that besides the space, systems is another key component to working successfully from home. Um, So, you know, filing system, digitally, paper, however you're managing your, your information, your data, your records, we need to have a good system to be able to put things away and reference them when we need. 
um, a good system for task management, you know, what to do and when and what's a priority and how are we going to remember? We need a system for that. So this is just an example of a couple of systems that when we have them in place, we can be more productive working from anywhere, really. You know, I think this is great advice, certainly for business people. But I think if if parents are listening, which I know I've got parents listening, you know, this might be some helpful things for their students. Uh, you know, who are having to, you know, be at home and do school, right? And or for, you know, people, because our students aren't doing well, you know, I, I don't know if anybody's paying attention to it. But, you know, our students are struggling at home uh, to be successful academically. And, you know, these are some great, I think some great also tips and habits for young people as well. I mean, am I wrong here or did I miss the boat on that no, one too? I, I, I thought yeah, it... No, you're not wrong. And I think what we're talking about really applies to anyone trying to get something done. Mm. So from 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 wherever, from an office, once people are returning to an office space, I think there's going to be a lot of hybrid situations going on where people work from home sometime and maybe in the office at other times. Um, and, you know, students, re- really anybody trying to get things done, organized space, good systems in place, time management strategies that, you know, help us organize our, our schedule, all, all important and relevant. Uh, in this book, The One Habit for a Thriving Home Office, one of the things I loved about this book was that you have the unhabit <laughs> in every chapter. There is there's the habit you want to do, and then there's the unhabit, the habit you right. want to get rid of. Right? One of you, now your unhabit, right, mm-hmm. is is a we're all guilty of. Now we're in denial about it. Okay, because, and by the way, for those people who don't know what denial means, it's an acronym for don't even know I am lying, uh, is <laughs> is what denial means. But procrastination. Yeah. yeah. When we're at, when we work from home, oh, procrastination can rear its ugly head. Let's talk about, I'd love to have you talk about procrastination, yeah. why it's such that a problem, is- and how to overcome it. Such a timely topic. Um, I run a group program and every month is a different uh, theme or different focus. We do a webinar, we do an Ask the Organizer. This month's theme is procrastination because last month we talked about setting effective goals. Um, You know, natural time of year to do that as the turn of the calendar happens. So if you've done a good job setting goals and you still find you're not taking the action you intend, that's procrastination. Mm -hmm. It's this undesirable gap between intention and action. So you know, why do we do it? There's like 10 reasons. Um, I, and I, I just taught a webinar on this. So they're pretty, pretty top of mind, but fear of failure, mm. unclear expectations, um, task related anxiety, meaning we need to do something. We just, we just don't want to, <laughs> right. um, it's boring or it's hard. Um, overwhelm certainly is a, a component perfectionism, mm. by the way, is the number one reason for procrastination. So those are just a, a few of the reasons why. And as far as what to do about it, we've got some great strategies too, but um, accountability is one strategy. So tell somebody else you're going to do something and by when and ask them to hold you accountable. Mm. Um, that's that's a role that I play for you know a lot of our, our clients that just need some strategy, but they also need accountability. They need a coach to say, hey, did you do this by when? Right. And if not, what got in your way? And then you can kind of overcome and identify what the procrastination um, tactic was and and how to make a change. But accountability is a huge one. 
time blocking. So setting appointments with yourself on your calendar and then honoring them. That's that's the key. Um, a lot of us really do a good job at um, you know living by our calendar. So you know this podcast, our conversations today, it was on my calendar. Of course, I wasn't going to miss it. It showed up. There it was. Here I am. Right. We do that with doctor's appointments. We do that with um, dates. You know, with with typically what's on our calendar is commitments we've made to other people. We can do that for ourselves as well. We can put a time block on our calendar for something we've been putting off and then honor that time because the calendar can kind of be our marching orders. Well, it's 10 o'clock. Here's the time to do this thing. Right. Uh, and then I also really like the concept of um, eat a frog for breakfast. Mm -hmm. So something you've been procrastinating, you know, we've talked about maybe it's hard, maybe it's difficult, but it could be the most impactful thing you get done all day. Well, it was Brian Tracy, author, speaker. He wrote a book called Eat That Frog. And his concept was, okay, Jay, look, if I held out this, you know, gross, ugly frog to you and I said, Jay, you've got to eat this at some point during the day. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. No. But would you rather get it down for breakfast mm. or have to stare at it all day long, knowing that eventually during the day you'd have to consume this, right? It, 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 oh, yeah. And yeah. I know, I mean, I, oh, it's, it's kind of a weird analogy, but it was his concept <laughs> of, look, if you get it down in the morning, yep. one, sometimes this thing that we've built up to be hard, difficult, and we're procrastinating on isn't as bad as we thought it was going right. to be once we get down to it. Right. Because as we two, all know, as we all know, frogs taste like chicken. So, OK, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then two, once you do the hardest thing in your day or the thing that's going to add the most value to your work or your life or, or um, you know, what you're trying to accomplish. Once we get that done, we have this momentum. Most of us want to right. keep going on high impact activities because we've experienced success. We honored a commitment to ourselves. We got something done and it's early in the day. It's 10 a.m. and I got the hardest thing done. Anything else you do that day could be seen as gravy, but you're going to want to keep going. So that's another procrastination buster is thinking about doing the hardest thing first. Don't let distraction get in the way. Often that looks like our email inboxes, right. right? So do one significant task, maybe that you've been procrastinating before you get lost in email or social media or anything else that uh, you found to be a, a distraction in the past. You know, these are awesome. So much of this, though, it goes right back to the very first thing we said, right? We have to be very conscious and intentional right. about doing these things. I think that's, I think that's, critical is that none of this is going to change unless we get real intentional about changing uh, these things. I think the other thing that you said that is just so true is that procrastination generally, uh, the number one reason is because of perfectionism. And sometimes what we have to do, I think is, you know, give each other, we have to give ourselves grace and then be disciplined. Right. Right. We kind of have to, we kind of have to go, okay, you know what? I'm not perfect, but right. you know what? Doug on it. I got to, I got to, embrace this discomfort i've got a, a couple of kind of mantras Good. um for that one is um and i have this posted because i'm a recovering perfectionist myself but done is better than perfect <laughs> done is better than perfect i would drag my feet on something and not get content out or deliver something that i had promised somebody and it didn't serve me well, it definitely didn't serve anybody else. So the done is better than perfect is, is one mantra. And then the other is just the knowledge that a perfectionist will actually spend 50% of their time getting the last like five to 10% polished and just right. 
well, when is 90, 95% good enough? And when can we save that time for something else that we need to do? Mm. So having some boundaries or deciding, and again, to your point, some discipline around, look, I'm going to give this an hour. I'm going to do the best work I can do in an hour's time. And, and that ought to be enough. And at the end of the hour, what I have is probably going to be 90, 95%. I'm not going to spend another half hour, another 50% of that hour polishing it to make it just right when I could spend that half hour doing something else that's more impactful. So those are a couple of ideas for fighting perfection. Yeah, I just, I just, you know, I, the procrastination is so easy because we just get, we get so distracted. But then, you know, I know just like you, right, that I want everything that I do to be absolutely perfect. And ideal. Yeah, I, I just do. I just want it to be. I I love excellence, and and there comes a point in time where I just have to say, okay, you know what, this is good enough. Send it off, yeah. and and be done with it. But yeah. man, I got to tell you something. I want to hold on to it so tight and go. I think there's a little bit more I can work on. Yeah. Right. Yes, and and maybe there is, but who is not receiving the benefit of you're getting it out when it's ninety five percent good enough? Uh, we have a, a newsletter that we send out to our, our you know what, every time we send that out, I get some sort of response that says, hey, that's exactly what I needed to read today. Um, or thank you for sending that. Or, hey, you came top of mind again. And you know what, I really need your help. Had I not sent it out because of perfectionism, none of that would have happened. Mm. So that's something to keep in mind. I, we lost you there for a we lost you there for a quick second, but we brought you back. I don't know what happened there. Um, I was what I was asking was the issue um, of isolation. Uh, mm. That can be a tremendous issue, and a number of your authors address this as well. That we have to be. It, it's it's tempting to you know, lock ourselves away basically in our office and, and not talk to anybody. Sure. I think with working from home, especially for those that were accustomed to, you know, working with a team physically in person um, and having coworkers around, even just passing in the hallway, we need to be a little more intentional about collaboration and connection. And that's what you're talking about. Mm. So, you know, it might mean that we need to set up some um, times in specifically to just connect socially with coworkers because that's the water cooler chat that happens naturally when we're in an office. And when we don't have that, we can miss out on getting to know each other um, and connecting, which leads to collaboration for work. Mm. Um, so being intentional about connecting with others, reaching out if we're feeling isolated, um, reaching out to others you work with to check in and see how they're doing. And, you know, if you're a solopreneur, checking in on your solopreneur friends and colleagues as well to say, hey, you know, how's it going? How are you doing? Mm. Um, it can really go a long way to, to productivity and rich relationships and, uh, you know, just being being connected, which we all need. It leads to happiness. Yeah, well, here's the, and I'm glad you, you used the word, as of course you used the word productivity. <laughs> you use that word um because the truth of the matter is we are really more productive when we're connected mm -hmm. and i think what pe i think what people feel like is if i get away from everybody i'm going to be less productive and that can be true to an extent but the fact of the matter is without the connection of people we can't mm -hmm. bounce off ideas we can't right. Uh, we don't our our creative right side of our creative brain is not as engaged uh, because 
you know, it's what you're saying to me now, in as you and I are having this conversation, that's leading me to my next question. Without you in this conversation and us having that connection, I don't have the next thought. I'm, I'm making it up. So there, there really is, it does really, connection helps us become more productive. Well, and I think, you know, you've got introverts. Right. Those who are extreme introverts are maybe thriving even from the uh, concept <laughs> of working in a more isolated way, working from home. And then you have extroverts. Those who are extreme extroverts are struggling with mm the extra isolation and, and in particular, you know, the introversion, extroversion, it's about where we draw our energy. Right. So for those who are extroverts and are missing the energy driven, and this is kind of what you're alluding to from being with other people, they've got to create it. I think we're all on a, you know, somewhere on that continuum. I definitely fall kind of towards the middle. And so therefore I need that harmony of some time that's quiet by myself, focused, you know, really intentional about just what I want to work on mixed with time that's connected and collaborative where I can brainstorm, where we can kind of riff off what, what the other is saying or thinking and where we get inspiration and ideas from other people as well. Her name is Debbie Rosemont. The book is entitled One Habit for a Thriving Home Office. Working from home can save the planet. Killer habits of the happiest achieving home-based business people on the planet. And you're listening to her here on A New Direction. Hey, everybody. Listen, the elite team at Epic Physical Therapy. I I love them. I love Heidi, uh, Andrew, her husband, the, the staff, the certified trainers they are so good listen if there's a cutting if there's a cutting edge treatment they know it they already know it i don't know how they do it but they already know what the next cutting edge physical therapy treatment is it's amazing and by the way if you are just looking to maybe move a little bit better you know because you want to maybe get in a little bit better shape and condition maybe you know got a little sloppy you know know, well guess what you can go to epic physical therapy and you can they can help you deal with that too right just talk to lee she's outstanding lee is fantastic look here's the thing not only do they know the cutting edge treatments but they also have top of the line equipment right uh the alter g gravity treadmill fantastic norma tech compression sleeves the game ready which i rave about you know cold water compression taking the swelling out listen i've 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 had so many of the treatments like blood flow restriction therapy dry needling cupping right i've had them done they are fantastic they know what they're doing and it's why i only use them. So when you're ready for your epic relief, your epic recovery, and your epic results, go where the pros go. Go to Epic Physical Therapy. You can learn more by going to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors. You know what? They just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for a great 2020. Yes, you have been amazing. And they just want to say thank you so much from the bottom of their hearts that you um, recommended them, that you use them um, all over the world. Thank you uh, is what they want to say. Listen, they've been around for over 35 years. This is the 36th year in the business. And you know what? They stay at the top of the game. The reason why is because of the relationships that they make and they maintain. And it's because they understand that the home is based on memories at the end of the day. It really is right? You created memories in that home. And you know what? She's a memory maker. She's a relationship maker and a maintainer. And that's what's kept her at the top of her game for 35 years, right? She knows her business. 
right? And it's why her clients call her really the legend of customer service when it comes to real estate. So listen, when you're ready to speak with the legend and when you're ready to speak with the relationship maker, the memory maker, start with Linda Craft and team. You can learn more by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction with Debbie Rosemont, One Habit for a Thriving Home Office. And we're kind of just talking through some of the things that you could do to uh, be more productive and successful in your home office. And she is absolutely fantastic. Uh, there's uh, people who are listening from all over the world who are um, listening and, and taking all this in. And, and I can hear them scribbling notes, even though I can't really hear them. I know that they are. Uh, I thought one of the things that uh, one of your authors said in Chapter 9, Kathy Groover, just it just really jumped out at me. You know, we are, she said, we are really the only creature that does not live in the present. <laughs> it was just that one statement really punched me right in the mouth. Yeah. Because we are so worried about, you know, what we did yesterday and then what we're going to do tomorrow. And what happens is we really need no other animal does that, by the way. I mean, they, no. they, they don't do that. We, we're the only creature that does this. <laughs> and if we and if we would just stay here in our home office and just deal with what we've got to deal with now, instead of worrying about tomorrow and going, got my failures of yesterday, wouldn't we be in just such a more productive place anyway, regardless of our office? Yeah, I mean, I, I think being present um, has a, a huge impact on um, how we feel and what we're able to, to get done. I mean, I think there's we can take lessons from the past, and I, I think that's a good thing. We can make plans for the future, but I think the majority of our time being present, um, especially when we're with other people, um, you know, gosh, the, te- the temptation of the phone and the dings and the rings and the social media. I mean, people have, and I, again, I, I have a feeling this is unique to our species, um, this FOMO, this fear of missing out, it's yeah. distracting. And if I am right now thinking about what am I missing out on, you know, on Instagram or LinkedIn right. or TV or whatever it is, I'm not present with you. I'm worried about something else. And that also doesn't um, help our relationship, right? Or our connection. So being present, especially when you're with other people um, or you're doing work that's going to impact other people, it, it definitely makes a difference. You know, it it's really interesting, the social media aspect of this. I've written books on social media and, you know, the truth of the matter is I love it. But I also understand its ability to distract us. Mm-hmm. And listen, Debbie, you and I are no strangers to social media. It is a it is a real part of our marketing strategy. It is a real part of our business. Yeah. Right? Trying to find a way to make that work without falling into the black hole of social media is is tremendous can be tremendously difficult when you're in the home office. Well, I think, you know, compartmentalization, um, I, I mentioned before, you know, like deciding on how much time you're going to spend on something. I, I don't think there's anything that's good or bad in business or right. um, in life in general, really. But 
if we can decide that, hey, I'm going to use social media as a tool, and that could be a tool for fun as well, by the way, or a tool for connection with family or friends. So it doesn't all have to be about business either. But deciding on, you know, what is your intention? What is your purpose for getting on social media? And then how much time do you want to allocate to that? So even if I get on for fun, but it's the middle of the workday and I'm using it as a break, I'm going to want to limit that time. So I don't, you know, like you said, go down a rabbit hole or get lost in a black hole because we know that that can happen. Um, so I think understanding what the purpose is. Am I getting on for business? Am I looking to promote or to market? Am I getting on to connect with people for fun or for social reasons? And how much time do I need? And then for some people, maybe even setting a timer, like an audible distraction on purpose to take us out could otherwise be lost time can be helpful. Yeah, I think I think one of the... I think one of the things about social media is that it can be so personally reinforcing to want to stay on it. You know, the the research is very clear, you know, that our, you know, likes and shares and comments light up our brain, our dopamine part of our brain, right? They just light it up. And we like to, we feel good every time we get somebody puts a like or a little heart or a little thumbs up or a wow or, you know, somebody shares a post. We get something out of that. And I think there's a, there's a tremendous amount of difficulty to separate ourselves from it. And the problem is the temptation in our office is sorry. And I, and I agree with you hundred percent that, you know, sometimes you just got to set a timer. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we all, we all have, well, most of us have a, like an Alexa or a Google thing. Yeah, I mean, you can even just shout, yell at Alexa and go, hey, you know, set a timer for 10 minutes, you know, (laughs) right? Or something, because it really, it really does require that level of discipline and control when you're at home. Because nobody's looking at, you wouldn't do, go ahead. No, I was just, I was agreeing with you. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, if you were in, if you were in a regular office in your regular building, Mm -hmm. it's not a big deal. Right, because you have people who would probably be looking at you, but man, when it, you're at home, it just makes the temptation is just so much easier. Yeah, and you know, it, I I know of some people that have um, found ways to bring elements of things they miss from working mm. in the office into the home office. Um, two examples: one related to what you just talked about, um, getting on Zoom or Teams or whatever tool that you might use for work. And just co-working with somebody else. So in this example, this would be you would be working on your work. I would be working on my work. But we would both be on the screen at the same time um, because that then knowing that you could look up at any time and see, am I looking at my phone? Am I on social media? Keeps me focused and not attached to that device. So co-working virtually is one idea that brings in the elements of kind of simulating if we worked on in desks next to each other. The second is a commute. So there's lots of things that, um, you know, are, are beneficial to the environment and saving money and et cetera from not having a commute and the stress of traffic. 
But there's also something that some people are finding they're missing, and that's the separation from home and work. Mm-hmm. Time to you know kind of rev into the workday on the way to work, or um, start to unwind and, and transition to personal time on the way home. So I know of people that have created a commute for themselves, which just involves finishing up morning routine walking out the door. I had one client in particular who said, you know, I just, I walked out the front door. I did a walk around my big block. I walked back in and I sat down to work and that was her commute. And then at the end of the day to transition out of work mode, she would close down the computer, you know, get things set for the next day. And then she would go back out the front door, do that loop in reverse and come back home, uh, back through the front door and be ready to engage with, you know, her personal life and family. So those are a couple ideas to take the elements that you might be missing from working in an office with other people into the home office as well. You know, when I read that uh, piece about her transitioning, right, we do not think about transition mm-hmm. at all, right? I mean, the fact of the matter is if you drive into the office or you go into the office, you are transitioning yourself and prep- preparing yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually to go into your office. When we had the home office, we no longer do that preparation. We just jump right in and expect us ourselves to just be ready to go. And the same is true that when we come home, right, well, the truth is you are home. If you don't retransition yourself to get out of office mode, to transition yourself into personal mode, again, you're just jumping right into it, expecting things right. to – well, you can't. We, yeah. you, you need that transition time. Right. You know, psychologically. Otherwise, you're you're le- you're less present. Right. Either way, you're less present at work if right. you haven't had that transition into it. You're less present at home if you have it at home <laughs> with with others or or in your personal time if you haven't had that transition because of something that's called residual attention. Mm. It's our brain still thinking about the thing that we just did, especially when we're rapidly switching. This is part of the reason that multitasking is a myth; it doesn't work. <laughs> we have this residual attention still left on the thing we just did and it's we can't focus or be present on the thing we're doing now it's so funny you you mentioned multitasking right everybody thinks you know we actually do multitask we just do it badly (laughs) right switch task we switch task instead yeah yeah we really we we really what we think we're doing as multitasking is really just quickly serial tasking tasking right you know, we just, right. we just go here, 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 here. And we think we're doing several things at the same time. But by the way, we do it all badly. <laughs> we really don't do it yes. well as human beings. Our, we're just not constructed to that piece. Nope. Our brain a, is not wired. No, it's not wired to do that. Our brain was never wired to do that. Our, our brain was wired to complete, to finish. Right. Right? To start, to finish, not to start 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 and they keep starting and then eventually you finish something right that's not the way we were that's accomplishment is what we're really about as human beings and when we're doing 18 different things that trying to do 18 different things without completing any one of them we never feel accomplished which makes us feel even worse 
I'm teaching a class later this week titled Multitasking Makes You Stupid. It's one of my favorites. It's a playful title, of course, but um, it's based on an article that was titled that, you know, back from 2003 that was yeah. published in the Wall Street Journal. And, it, you know, there's reason why it, it was titled that. It's because of what happens with our ability to learn new things, remember right. things, you know, avoid making mistakes, all that, you know, are messed up when we try to multitask. It's so it's so so true. I want to touch on one last little topic that's a theme throughout this book, and I I love it, and so I couldn't leave without it. And that is the idea of gratitude, and how that helps us in our home offices in our home life. You willing to tackle that for a little bit? Sure, sure. Um, I think the idea, especially when there is so much uncertainty and things that we can't control going on around us, which we've, you know, just that that is our current state and it probably will be for a while. And it certainly was, you know, a whole um, year of, of that. Um, it can throw us into a tailspin and we can lose productivity and we can um, fret and worry and be anxious, sad. And those are all valid feelings. But when we can also reflect, and in fact, I I love to start the day with a gratitude practice or just a moment of gratitude or just noticing one thing that you're you're grateful for, it's grounding. Um, It's grounding and it's really hard to feel both anxious and grateful at the same time. Um, So when we can focus on what we're grateful for and big and small things, I mean, the, the, the exercise that I go through um, is writing down three things I'm grateful for each morning. And there, I mean, sometimes it's big, like my family, the roof over my head, but sometimes it's, you know, this, this cup of coffee that I have right now, that's just keeping me warm, right? That's a small thing. But when I'm focused on any of those things, it just puts me in a, a positive mindset, and you touched on mindset earlier in the conversation, has such an impact on our um, on our happiness, on our productivity, on um, our ability to grow as people, and, um, and and gratitude. I think can play a great role in that. Well, we have been together for an hour, yeah. and you have been. It's gone so fast. I have thoroughly enjoyed this, and so now I get to put you on the spot. You ready? Yeah, like, sure. like, like I haven't done that to your old show. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm nervous. Okay, no. So the show's called A New Direction because we try to help people find a new direction in their life or their career or their business or all three. Yeah. If Debbie Rosemont, um, who is a productivity consultant, who is co-author of this book, One Habit for a Thriving Home Office, if she could leave the listener with a new direction – uh, based on the book, what would she what would she leave? I think I would um, maybe make the point that time will pass no matter what. Right? We can agree that the next six months, for example, are, are going to transpire. I think if people can think about what do they want, what do they want to have happen, what do they want to um, accomplish, how do they want to show up over that time period. And so that they look back after six months has passed and said, yep, I did that. I think if we can have that mindset that we really can't manage time, I can't give somebody a 25th hour in the day, but what we can manage is our our energy and our attention and being intentional about how we use the time that we have. 
that would be the, the thought that I would leave with people is um, prioritize. Think about what's important. Make some plans. Um, set yourself up both environmentally around you, um, mentally, mindset-wise, with success so that you can execute on those plans. Accountability, that's huge. Um, and, and then go for it. I think we all have so much potential to achieve what we want when we put our minds to it. And when we set ourselves up with the right environment, systems, tools, um, and, and relationships as well. So that's where I'll leave. I love that. Her name is, I mean, wasn't she great? Did I tell you she was going to be great? She was going to be awesome. You. She was. <laughs> Debbie Rosemont, ladies and gentlemen, co-author, One Habit, right? For a thriving home office, get your copy. You are not going to be disappointed. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what? This is a show. You know what I say to you every week, right? Be inspired because when you're inspired, that means that you'll inspire others. And when they're inspired, that means they inspire others. And in turn, that makes this world an amazing place. I'm going to be back next week with another fabulous guest with another fabulous book, which means it's going to be another fabulous show. And as I say to you every week, right? Ciao, everybody. your confidence and the answers don't make sense you got to keep your hope alive you got to know you can survive this is your time to find a new direction a brand new day a new direction things are gonna change Dreams will take you places you have never been before Find your passion, find your strength